talk about the glory of God. Because it's only the glory of God that's going to change anything. Only the glory of God. And he made you his, he's the captain of your salvation to restore you back to glory, right? So, okay. But anyway, I just want to look at Psalm 29. And it may change the way you look at things a little bit. He said, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders like the voice of many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Things get uprooted in your life. Things that have been rooted and grounded and causing you trouble are going to get uprooted from your life. His, the glory will break the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them to skip like a calf. Hallelujah. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. Come on, fire. Come on, Ezekiel, when he, Ezekiel prayed, like if you, you haven't prayed yet, because when you pray like Ezekiel prayed, you have an experience like Ezekiel experienced. Like we, we you know, we'll pray to get, for that the Lord will pay our rent, give us a little bit of extra money, and he must just be, he must just be put off with that. That is so small compared to the exceedingly abundantly. Ezekiel prayed and read his book. It sounds like it came from another planet. Saw <laughs> the Lord fire from his loins up, fire from his loins down. That guy prayed and got a hold of God. How about John on the Isle of Patmos? He said, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then God blew his socks right off his feet and showed him the entire book of Revelation. Moses prayed, and God showed him creation from the book of Genesis. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he wasn't there, but he went there in prayer. There's places you can go in prayer. We pray so shallow, and there's so, and we, no one's gone deep, but you're going. Get ready to go deep because God's going to do some stuff. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the, look, cause new things to be born in your life. Come on. Discovers the forest. But look at this, look at this, the last part of this verse. And in his temple, does everyone speak of his glory? I don't hear anybody talking about it in here. But my Bible says that that's what we're talking about. We won't be talking about anything else but the glory of God. You get together outside before the service starts on Sunday morning, you're all gathered out there talking about what happened this week. No, you won't. You'll be talking about the glory of God. Guess what the glory did? Hallelujah. No, there's lots of things you can talk about in church. But he said, in his temple, does everyone speak of his glory? Everyone's going to be talking about one thing, the glory of God. Hallelujah. With that in mind, let's go to Habakkuk 2 and verse 14. You've already been there, I know. We're going to go there a lot between now and the time the Lord returns. But 
See, but you got to understand that a move of God comes from a manifestation of his glory. I've been studying moves of God for long enough now to know that without the move of the glory of God, a manifestation of the glory of God, you don't get a move of God. But now he says in verse 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory. And again, I like to point out this knowledge is discernment. It's not just seeing, but it's recognizing even from afar. It's something that you're going to, not only that, it's so tangible that I remember uh, Kenneth E. Hagin was talking about when he was at Bedfast for 15 months or whatever, and the glory, and, and he was in the, any, every waking moment, he was in the Word of God. Every waking moment, he was in the Word of God. That's what he did for month after month, after he, and they told him he was going to die. But when the glory of God came in the room, it shone so brightly. Now Moses, like Moses had trouble too. His wife couldn't go to sleep at night because would you turn off the light, Moses? I don't know. <laughs> Throw a towel over your face or something. She kept him up. Anyway, so, but <laughs> that's not the point of this. Hallelujah. The glory of God. It was so bright in the room. It was so bright in the room. His grandmother was in the kitchen and she tried to walk. You've heard the story, heard him tell it. She went walking up to the door and bounced off. She went back into the kitchen and took a full run at a room with an open door and bounced off onto the floor. That's, that's a manifestation of the glory of God. Lots of things happen in when God begins to manifest like that. Healing, just like, oh, I, I, you, weren't, you, weren't, you weren't even expecting it. Hallelujah. So you're going to have a move of the Spirit of God coming from a manifestation of the glory of God. And he said it's going to be just like Noah's waters covered the sea and brought all that death. The glory of God is going to promote life. And when you get a flood of anything, it goes wherever it wants, right? Yeah. I mean, if you know that when a flood comes, you can ask the people in Texas right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. With that in mind, let's go, to, let's go and look at what happened in the book of Acts. You know why it's called Acts, right? Because they acted on what they heard. They actually did something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they acted like the Bible was true. <laughs> it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Right. And he'll act out if you'll if you if you get working with him. Amen. <laughs> yeah. But in chapter seven, one of the best messages ever preached in the Bible. I don't know, maybe fifty or fifty-five verses here that that were preached by, by was it by Stephen? Yeah, because they they liked his message so much that they stoned him afterwards. No, but sometimes people don't like what you preach. I mean, the Apostle Paul, 40 people said, 40 people got together and said, we're not going to eat anymore until we kill Paul. Now, I've had some people get upset with messages I preach, but, 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 but I never saw anybody willing to go hungry to, <laughs> to take you. <yeah. laughs> so the high priest said, Chapter 7, verse 1. Then said the high priest, are these things so? He said, men and brethren and fathers, hearken. The glory of God or the God of glory appeared unto Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he ever went, before he ever moved out, he was impacted by the glory of God. Come on, who else? Can you think about Abraham now? 
He gets up one day and he says to his wife, we're moving. Well, where are we going? I don't know. But I had a vision. All right. The Lord appeared to me in a vision and said we're to move. And you don't even know where you're going. That's the, but but that's, that's the impact that the glory of God will have on you. It'll change your priorities. It'll change your direction. It'll change the plans that you may have had for your future are about to get rocked. Yeah. Now, do you think what the pandemic rocked your, and changed your direction? Watch out for the glory. Yeah. Changes everything. Yeah. Well, let's just turn over a couple of pages and see the Apostle Paul. Knocked him cold. But totally changed his, it changed him completely. A moment in the glory of God changed the apostle, changed his name, changed him totally. He was on his way going to do one thing and boom, he got hit with the glory and everything changed. It says in verse three, and, and, and if you want to read it in Acts chapter 22, he says that he was impacted by, he identifies what knocked him off his donkey as the glory of God. That same glory that kept Kenneth Hagin's grandmother out of the bedroom knocked Paul on his butt. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shone around about him a light from heaven. Boom. All of a sudden, his t- total purpose, everything about his plan, every plan and purpose that he had in his life was totally changed, a complete shift in direction. Now, that may not be exciting to you, but, it, but it's, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it could very well happen like this year. I mean, it, it could happen today. Because this is what God is doing. God is teaching us on how to walk in love and how to walk in forgiveness because he's about to do what we haven't seen before. But with that, but now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3 because we were there looking at those prayers. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul said, this is the reason that I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Heaven and earth is named. Let me tell you, last Sunday, Joanne was sitting here, and I saw her mother standing right there. No, no, we're encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm not encouraging you to look for ghosts, but Joanne has felt this so much separation since her mother's been gone. She isn't going anywhere. Just because you can't see her doesn't mean she's gone. She's in another realm, but she didn't go anywhere. Uh, Right there. Encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. And, And then he says it right here. He said, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He said, your family's right here. He's not talking about the planet heaven. He's talking about heavenly realm right here. So anyway, that's what I saw. I never, I didn't tell her, by the way. And I wouldn't have told her now, but Dana's sitting here and he'll go home and tell her. <laughs> but it was real. You mean, did you see her like you see Maria in the front row? No. Nobody saw her. Okay. 
You're seeing things now. Absolutely seeing things all the time. Hallelujah. Expecting to see more. Yeah. So he said, for this reason, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant unto you what? According to the riches of his glory. He said that you would be, he, now he's not praying for his needs to be met. Although that would work too, because in Philippians 4.19, he said he'll supply all of your needs with that same phrase, according to his riches and glory. There's stuff in the glory that you can't get by working for it. He said, according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith and you'll be rooted and grounded in love and comprehension comes, able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that what? So that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. And then verse 20, you can't leave verse 20 out. Unto him this power to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to that according to the riches of the glory, according to the glory at work within you, exceedingly abundantly. How big can you think right now? God's going to and stretch that deal out. But now this prayer is first found over in Exodus chapter 33. Many of you probably already knew that. Well, it's there. Matter of fact, anything you can find in the New Covenant, Paul got a little of the Old Covenant. You read some of these things, like you read Ephesians 5.14, wake up and rise from among the dead. Read, read uh, Isaiah chapter 60. It's right there. Like, all he did was he got a revelation of what was already written. He didn't write something new. But in, but in Exodus chapter 33... Hallelujah. In verse 18, of course, Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. But as we read through this, maybe we'll take a little look at it here while we're here. I beseech you, show me your glory. I was always wondered how Moses knew what to ask for. The thing is, he's, but when you read this, you're going to find out that he got he got more than he could ask or think. Moses got more than he could ask or think. Moses at one point in time, can you imagine? Can you just imagine that God says, oh, I want you to climb the mountain. And so, you know, so maybe you can relate that to your prayer life or something, but it's something that you're going to put effort in. He's not going to put you on an elevator and take you to the top. He said, climb up onto the mountain. And when Moses climbed up onto the mountain, the glory of God came down. And in that glory, in that glory, he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. Can you imagine him sitting there watching creation? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was of form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered upon the faces of the face of the waters. Hallelujah. And God said, let there be light. And he saw, he saw all that in his prayer, in his prayer time. Have you prayed yet? The place was shaken where they were assembled together when they prayed. They weren't just asking for things. 
They were saying, I beseech you, Lord, show me. I don't want, I don't want. God said in this particular passage, I'll send an angel before you. He said, if you're only going to send an angel, I'm not going. He said, he said, unless you go with me, I'm staying right here. And he prayed and he said, Lord, I beseech you. Show me. Show me your glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So well, let's so he says, I beseech you, show me your glory. And then the Lord answered and said, I will make all my goodness. What is this? So that's even the definition of glory, isn't it? All his goodness. We understand that it's kabod. It's a heavy and it's weighty and everything that he has and everything that he can do and all that. We, we understand that. But he's saying, I, I, I want you to. And again, Moses was looking to see his, 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 his continence. And God said, God said, no, I'm going to show you my character. But in order for me to do that without killing you because I'm a consuming fire and I consume sin. And because you, you haven't got it all together yet, Moses, I'm going to put you in a cleft of the rock. Come on, the rock that followed them was Christ. He was saying, he was saying I'm going to open you up. I'm going to open up a rock and put you in it. I'm going to open up Jesus and put you in Christ. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It's like a story I read one time about a fireman that had burned his hand really bad. And they didn't know what to do with it. And this doctor, this is what he did. He opened up his side and put his hand in and sewed it up left his hand in there. When they took it out a couple weeks later, it was totally, totally healed, totally restored. How could that be? How could that be? Well, it's kind of like I was reading the other day about how you remove tattoos. And um, like Rob Ells has a laser machine. And if you take a laser, everybody wouldn't know what a laser beam is. It's two beams of light that come into agreement. You and him. <laughs> And, and when you bring those two lines, two beams of light into agreement, they can do eye surgery, blow up a battleship, just depending on how you focus. But anyway, it's interesting what they say about the tattoos because it hits the ink and breaks the pigment down in the ink. And then, but that's not enough. Then it has, then the white blood cells come and get it. So the, the blood is involved. And then it washes down into your liver and it's dispersed through your through the draft, right? <laughs> but, you, but, but think about that when you apply anything to your life. God, the entrance of his word brings light, takes the things that you don't, that aren't, are contrary to you, dissolves them and, and passes them away on you. Come on. As you, again, that's, that's submitting your body. That's Romans 12, 1, submitting your body and, and uh, verse 2 not being conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your mind. You're renewing your mind by the word of God, right? So Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. He said, I'll make my goodness pass before you. And I don't have time to get into that, but he, he in the next few verses talks about the 13 attributes of God. Some of you that have been with us for a while probably have the notes. And the Hebrew and all that, 13 attributes of God and all about his forgiveness and his grace and mercy and all of that. But I don't want to dwell there right now. I want to go to um, 
Well, again, let's read verse 22, though. He said, it'll come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while you pass by. This is Ephesians chapter 3. Can you see that? It's also Ephesians 2 and verse 6 that, that he seated you in him in heavenly places in Christ. You, you're not even, it's kind, of like, it's kind of like when you get to heaven, it ought not to be the first time you've ever been there. You can go there in your prayer closet. You, you can you can literally go there. How do I know that? Because he tells me I can come boldly yes. into the inner into the holy of holies, boldly onto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace, to help in my time of need. Not when I got it all together and look good either. It's when when I'm needing some grace and I'm needing some help. I can go there because my sins have been washed away. Hallelujah. But for now, let's, okay, so he, he put him in the cleft of the rock and he passed by. He said, I will take my, away my hand and you'll see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. I heard Lynn Mink teach on this one time. He said that's when he showed him Genesis, Exodus, Levit Genesis rather, and Leviticus and Numbers and all that. He showed him a lot of that, the hinder parts. Well, let's, let's just say it this way so I don't mis misinterpret it to you. He showed him everything that had happened up till then. So, you know, you go through the book of Genesis and read all of that. He saw that in his prayer time. You ever get bored praying? It's only because you haven't prayed yet. <laughs> and I know this, to the degree that you see his glory, you'll be consumed by it. That's what's happening. You just, you get to the place where everything else is boring. I haven't got time for that. We got time for that. I'm, I'm consumed by the glory, and we know what happened over in Exodus chapter forty. I, he couldn't even enter the tabernacle after he put it up because the glory of God knocked him on his keister. But now let's go to Psalm sixty-three. Can we go to Psalm sixty-three? See, my prayer needs to be: I beseech you, Lord. Show me your glory. We talk about praying Ephesians one and Ephesians three prayers all the time. That's it. That's it. Matter of fact, Ephesians 1 has that same phrase according to his riches and glory in it. He's talking about going after, not going after getting your needs met. Again, 419 of Philippians, he'll supply him according to the riches of his glory. He, like, those aren't the things that we're after. What we're after is seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things and all these other things will be added unto you. Seeking him first, just making it constant, constant, constant. God. I beseech you, show me your glory. I'm not praying for a new car. I'm not praying for a new this or a new that. I thank you for it along the way. But that's not my heart. My heart is I beseech you, Lord. Nothing else. Let this consume me. And this is what David said in Psalm 63. And David was a king. And David had position. And David had power. And David had so much money. He gave $55 billion to the building of the temple. He had bucks. He had bucks. He had position. He had royal robes, and he threw them off and danced before the Lord with all of his might because he wanted nothing but to bring the presence of God, to bring the glory of God into town. Hallelujah. And so, come on, so he forsook all that. His wife got upset with him, but he talked back to her. He was a brave man. Yeah. yeah. He did. Do you ever notice that? I said, yes, it's just coming. Hallelujah. 
he said, he answered just like a, just like a man, though, I'll be more vile than this tomorrow. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> he said, your father didn't put me on the throne. My father did. Hallelujah. I looked after a few sheep. I was cold and half naked and singing songs in the woods by myself. My father didn't like me. My brothers didn't like me. My cousin in Illinois wasn't sure about it either. <laughs> but I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, just like Isaiah, right? Anyway, look at verse 1. of. He said, oh, God, you are, you're, you're mine. You're God, but you're, you're my God. And early will I seek you and thirst for you. My soul, my will, that's, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. My soul is thirsty for you. I've created an appetite that all I can think about. I used the smoker as an example. And once we started smoking our meat, nothing tastes good after that. If it got no smoke, it's got no taste. But we created, we created that appetite when we when we bought the machinery. And you can create an appetite for anything. Well, I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. I guarantee you that if you pray that for the rest of this year, we won't recognize you come the end of the year. We won't. Why? Because he'll show up and show up big time. So this is where David was. He, he said, I'll seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs after you like a dry and a thirsty land where there's no water. Like that, that's desperation. And again, that's Matthew chapter 6 where he said, he, that, or is it chapter 5 where he obligated himself to the hungry. He said, he said he'd satisfy the hungry. And not satisfied and satisfied. So, and so he said, where there's no water. To, why is he doing all this? To see your power and your glory. To manifest your power by seeing or moving in the glory. Can you imagine having a church where, people are, where there's miracles happening every week? That people are getting healed, saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost every week? Well, let me tell you this about that. It's not the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher that does that. People always want the, the, the fivefold ministry to build a church. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that I'm to train up people to do the work of the ministry. That, it's, that, that this is not something, well, I'll be so glad when the pastor manifests the glory. I'll be so glad when you do. I'd be really glad when you do. I'd be really glad the priests couldn't even enter sometimes because of the glory of God. I don't mind laying down there while you do other stuff. If the glory of God knocks me out so that you can have church, let it be. Well, I'm just waiting for somebody to do something. You have the somebody. God's waiting on you. Don't look to the left or to the right. Look in and say, it's me. I can do all things through Christ, which, not who, which, the anointed one and his anointing, which strengthens me. I can do it through him. It's like, you know, it's, it's like what he has promised. He's also powerful to perform. I don't have to perform it. All I have to do is receive it. 
Receive the glory right now. Hallelujah. He said to see your power and your glory. I don't have negative expectations. Hallelujah. I'm based in fear, but I'm expecting the power of glory, the power in the glory. It's not a neutral expectation or a misguided expectation. I'm expecting the glory of God. Hallelujah. He said, only then. Well, let's read it. Let's read it here. With my lips, I will praise you. Thus will I bless you. While I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. My mouth shall praise you with sad, discontented, sorrowful. I know. With joyful lips. There's something about what something about this that requires my participation. I, like you know, it's like kind of like when you watch praise and worship on on a Thursday or a Sunday, and you realize the reason why people need to be pumped is because they haven't praised God all week. No, no, if they had been praising God all week, they'd have come in here, boom, and been there. But they've been looking all week at their troubles and their sorrows and all the stuff that's going on in the world and watching social media and all the junk that's out there. And so you come in and you got to, it's almost like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. You got to pump, pump life into the church. We ought to be the most joyful, happy people on the planet. And if we're not, it's because we're looking at the wrong stuff. If we only knew who we were, if we only knew who we are in Christ, if we only knew, it would change everything today. My soul shall be satisfied. When? After I lift up my hands in your name, after I get myself happy with joyful lips, I'll be satisfied. Come on. When I I remember, now lots of times people remember stuff on their beds, but it's not usually God. It's the hour of worry. You go to bed and you regret all the stuff that you didn't do right. And you listen to the, you know, you, you listen to the voice of the critic that's living on living on top of your head and telling you all the things you did wrong and how you'll never amount to anything and blah, blah, blah. No, when you remember him on your bed and meditate, that, that means mutter, utter, and speak. That means I, I need to make a conscious effort to keep the right things in my head. To keep, you know, or else do a head bypass. One thing or the other has to happen. You just can't, can't allow, you can't allow that junk. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on the night watches. Night watches, not nightmares. Hey, how about that? Night watches, what James was talking about there last week, when he'll get up at three or four o'clock in the morning and go in his sunroom and get out to work and enjoy the presence of God when the house is quiet and everything's still. That's a night watch. Because you, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul, my soul follows hard after you. And my, your right hand holds me. 
but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go to the lower parts of the earth. They'll fall by the sword. That's, that's the portion of the foxes. But the king, talking about himself, shall rejoice in the Lord. Everyone that swears by him shall glory. Everyone that swears by him shall glory, experience the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm not, I don't have negative expectations when I'm meditating in my bed at night. I'm expecting the glory of God. I'm expecting what I'm expecting signs and wonders and miracles every day that I'm alive. I'm expecting come on Hallelujah. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and never underneath. Expecting, expecting good things all the time. No negative expectations, no neutral expectations. Expecting God's glory to manifest upon the earth. And every time I pray these prayers, and I pray them every day, every time I get to Ephesians chapter 1 and pray that prayer, hallelujah, and I pray it over my church and I pray it over my family. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I cease not to give thanks making a mention, building a memorial upon my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, what the Father, what? May give unto us the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding. I got two sets of eyes. One set of eyes is going to tell me what's going on in the world. The other set of eyes is going to tell me what's going on in the spirit. Hallelujah. To know what's going on in the spirit is what really matters. To knowing that that God has them in derision. To know, to know that Haman worked for a long time building gallows for Mordecai. How many of you read that story, need to read it again and put your name in there? That the plan that the enemy set for you, the trap that was set for you, is for him. Yes. <laughs> and he proved it through history. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you can boldly say, God is my helper. I will not fear. What can a man do unto me? Say, absolutely nothing. 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 Rise above circumstances. The eyes of our understanding are even right now being enlightened to know the hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. What is the riches? Yeah, but where? Where are the riches of his glory? Think about it. He said it in another way in Colossians 1.27. Christ in you. Yeah, but hope is eager anticipation. It's not the, I hope it'll happen. It's Bible hope. Christ in you. The eager anticipation of his glory. I got eager anticipation of God's glory working in my life. I get eager anticipation of God's glory working in your life as I pray this over you. That your focus will change, your purpose will change. Just like Paul the Apostle got knocked off his donkey, that you'll get knocked off what you've been riding in the wrong direction. Right. That God will get a hold of you and show you there's a greater purpose than the one you've been pursuing. There's a greater purpose, some of you watch them online, than the career that you've been pursuing. Looking, looking to get enough money to have a retirement. Yeah. 
Let me say this about that. You, you get in the glory, retirement doesn't mean a thing to you. You get in the glory and all that, those other things that you've been chasing after, they're nothing. They're nothing, and it is available. You see, and here's the deal. You need to know this, that God doesn't love any preacher out there any more than you, and none of, none, no one out there can get closer to God than you can. No one out there can get any closer to God than you can. So how close do you want to be to God? You're exactly where you want to be right now. How close is that? You're here on a Thursday night. That really helps. Hallelujah. But now switch your prayers around. You pray Ephesians 1 and 3 and make sure you, you slide Exodus 33, 18 in there. I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. According to the riches of your glory, of your inheritance. What's his inheritance? You ever wonder what God's inheritance is? You. You. And then he, then, then this next verse, if you ever read it in the Greek, you, it'll boggle your brain because there's five different words in there for energy. He's trying to describe something to you because he's been there. You see, he didn't go to Jerusalem and get his revelation. He went to the same place that Moses went to, the backside of the desert, and spent three years there. And when he came back out, he was Paul the Apostle. He wasn't Saul of Tarsus anymore. But, but, you know, even when he teaches communion in Corinthians chapter 11, he said, that which I received from the Lord, I'm showing you. He saw, he saw the Last Supper. He wasn't there, but he got a revelation of it. He saw the crucifixion on the cross. He wasn't there, but he got a revelation of it. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And man, the life that I'm now living in the flesh, I'm living by faith of the Son of God, and you don't know what you're missing. You think you're focused on those light afflictions. He said, let me tell you, they're but for a moment compared to the glory that shall be revealed in me. Hallelujah. He said, watch me now. Watch me. He said, it's the exceeding greatness of his power. Exceeding greatness. Kratos, iskus, dunus, energeia. The words that he used, he, was he pulled every word of the Greek language he could think of to let you know that you are powerful. That you are full of the power of God. Hallelujah. There's enough power in a, an ounce of purified uranium to run a nuclear submarine for 25 years. Christ in you. The exceeding greatness of his power working toward us as we believe. All I, I don't perform, but all, here's what all I have to do is believe this. All I got to do is believe what the book says about me. Instead of what my uncle said about me or your, you know, your ugly cousin or somebody said about you or your, your teacher said about you. What does God say about you? Amen. Mm. Now let's, he said, I'm releasing the exceeding greatness of your power. It's working in you. Which he wrought, it's the same power that he used to raise Christ from the dead. It took so much power to raise Christ from the dead because you were going with him. No, no, when he resurrected Christ, he resurrected all of us. 
That's why he would say in Ephesians 2, 6, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. That's why he would say you've been crucified with Christ and you no longer live. Come on. That's why I say it's a group photo. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a group photo and you're in it. You ever get see a picture of a crowd and you try to find yourself to see how you look? We all do it. Come on, we all do it. Well, in the, in the resurrection of Jesus, look, you'll find yourself there. You're there. You're, you're in the winner's circle with, the, with all the resurrected people. Hallelujah. The ecclesia, the called out ones. There I am right there. Look at me. I wasn't the firstborn or the secondborn, but I am born. Hallelujah. Born again. I've been refathered by God Almighty. What did that mean to me? He said, when he worked, it wrought it in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. Come on. And seated him at his own right hand. Far above. Everybody say far above. All principality and power. That's the spirit realm. And might and dominion. That's the natural realm. Raised him far above, not a little bit above, not, not just a little bit. He's just a little bit better than the devil. The devil's a defeated fallen foe. Fallen foe. Fallen foe. He's still fallen foe. Anyway, he, he said far above all principality and power, might and dominion. And every name that's named. Cancer's a name. Poverty's a name. Any kind of name that you can, above all those names, every name that's named. Where though? Where God? In heaven. In earth. Under the earth. That pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? Not only in this world, but that which is to come. And placed all things under his feet, which is very important for you because you're his body. So if you're the baby toe, the devil is still under your feet. Placed him, to, uh, all things under his feet, made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And the fullness of him fills us all in all. You are filled with so much power, but, if you, but, but, but you got to know it. And you got to go for it. You got to be, you got to, you got to, you, you just, Let's, let's go for it this year. Let's make a determined effort to move in the glory of God this year. Let's make a determined effort because it's about others. It's not about you and me anymore. It's about because once we get the glory, he'll call us to carry it. To be carriers of the glory. To spread it around. To carry it. To carry the mantle. Elisha said about Elijah, I want double. How did he even know to ask? How did he even know to ask? He said, if there's double, I want it. And he paid the total price. He said, I'll lay down my life. I'll lay down my life. If all I ever do while Elijah is here is pour water on his hands, I'm going to pour water on the hands of the prophet and, and keep respect for him even when he's not, not doing it right all the time. And then he comes down to the Jordan River and takes that mantle, that anointing, slaps the water and says, where is the God of Elijah? <laughs> Hallelujah. And did double. God owed him one, but his bones were hidden in a cave. And a soldier, a dead soldier, got thrown in on his bones and came back to life. Exactly double. Double. 
exactly double. He got exact. Yeah, but listen, he got exactly what he asked for. And you, and my Bible says that it's exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Start asking big. Stop thinking small. Stop thinking about, you know, you and your little deal. Start asking for the nation. Start asking for the city and the people that are in it. Hallelujah. You get so wrapped up and beseech. I be, just show me your glory, God. It's not so that I can manifest something. <laughs> it's to glorify him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.